Welcome listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Happy Side of Neutral. I'm excited to have you back on this journey with me, trying to discover how to find balance and live a happy life. If you've been following along, you will know that I said this would be the final episode. Well, another episode emerged that I think you will love. On this week's episode, I'm joined by my sister, Heather Johnson, as we chat with one of the matriarchs of our family, Jackie Ostberg. Our Nana is turning 95 in a few months, and during this interview, she shared stories ranging from her childhood to what she's currently reading and everything in between. Through these stories, we get a glimpse of the things that have continued to hold meaning for her and what has left her feeling happy as she looks back at her life. So, Nana, it's wonderful to chat with you today, to be here in person. We've missed you. I haven't seen you in a while. (laughs) Well, it's always a special treat to have my granddaughters here. So, why don't you just start by giving a high-level overview for our listeners about your life. You're, you've been here 95, almost 95 years? Almost, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a long time. So I, can you just share a little bit about kind of your path? Well, I was a child of the Depression. That's what I'm known for. I'm kind of a sniggler with money. <laughs> I don't spend it wildly. and uh, But I didn't lack for love growing up. My Grew up in Illinois in a little village, and my mother and father were very good to me. And uh, But, of course, my father died when I was 13, and uh, that was sad. But uh, I don't know what to say. I had a good life. I had relatives all around the Chicago area. I had lots of cousins and fun, you know, just like you guys are here now. You went off to college? Right? Uh, yes, and I always, I always had to work. I mean, summer jobs as a waitress. I got a small scholarship to Grinnell College because my father had left me a pitiful amount and when he died. To, he wanted me to go to school, and I loved it there. I don't feel at the time I went to college that women were... Given their due, I can remember that uh, senior year, I went on a job interview to some, I don't even remember what company it was. I got out there. I think I had to take a bus to get to it. They didn't want a girl. <laughs> I, I, I knew it shortly after they were talking. They didn't want a woman there. <laughs> so I didn't know what to do when I came home. Then lived at home with my mother and sister. I would go for job interviews, and I went into the city, Chicago, and one of the interviews I had was for a newspaper, because I was a journalism major, and they wanted me to sit in this little cubicle and take want ads. <laughs> I said to myself, no, <laughs> that's not for me. So I did get a job with my hometown newspaper. It was a weekly, and that was very enjoyable. And at least it was in the field of, that I had studied. It was newspaper writing, and I would interview people and write articles and weddings up, and I dealt a little into history and would pull stuff out of the archives, you know. 
And I had that job for, gee, I don't know, it was over a year, year or two. And then I went and took an interview with a trade publication in the city called Modern Beauty Shop Magazine. There are only two magazines in that field, American Hairdresser and this one. And I had a wonderful old lady. She was the boss. And they were women. <laughs> they were all women. Oh, I guess the men were selling the ads, but I would write for them. And I would interview hairdressers or go to these big... They used to have big rallies where they had contests of hairdressers' contests. I'd go to those. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Then I got married and pregnant, and then I didn't work anymore. And was that customary at the time? Did many women work and have kids? No. (laughs) No, they didn't. No, no. That was all new to me, too, because I didn't grow up with any babies. But uh, we lived in Chicago in a little flat. As the boys grew, that was the thing, you know. I thought, well, I'd go back to work. I'd get a job. I'd go back to school something, get my teaching degree. No. My husband, he was the boss. And uh, he brought the money in, and I'm not to do that. So that's always was hanging over me. How did it feel to not be able to to work when you wanted to work? Well, I volunteered for everything. PTA, church, Cub Scout. I was a Cub Scout den mother, and I can remember having Paul tag along with the Cub Scouts. He was the youngest. I did all that stuff. So you found other ways to work. Right. It was just not paid. And you found other way. I'll tell you about the other ways I found to get around my husband. <laughs> he was a good man. Don't misunderstand me. He brought in a good salary. It wasn't that I really had to work, you know. But he wanted to be the boss. So I said to him one time, I didn't have a dishwasher and I had three little boys. And I had to meet the train at night to pick him up, stuff these kids in the car and go down to the station and pick them up and meanwhile have dinner ready. So I said, I need a dishwasher. No, he said. My mother never had a dishwasher. That was the reason he gave me, I thought. Oh, boy, everybody else in town has one. Well, we had a female dog, and she was not fixed, so... I waited till he went out of town on business, and I knew she was going to be in heat. And my neighbor, a few blocks away, was a doctor, and he had a male black lab. I locked him in the garage together. (laughs) It worked. (laughs) She got pregnant. She had about eight puppies, sold the puppies, and got my dishwasher. (laughs) That's so great. I had to be deceiving. I didn't lie or anything to him. I know, you know, just, yes. You had to be creative. Creative, that's the word, yes. Mm -hmm. So it was just little things like that. But I didn't spend money ridiculously. But a dishwasher, I thought, was a necessity. 
It's great that you've held on to your writing all these years. Yes. You still write. Oh, I wrote for the local paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get paid for it. Or I mean, after I was married and kids were in school, I did write for the the local Scotch Plains Times or whatever it was called. I just interviewed my neighbors. That was just like you're doing now. I mean, one of them collected something and she made dollhouses or something, you know, and they were interesting. And then I had puppies. I could always write about those puppies. And one of them who went to a family got loose and she boarded the train (laughs) to (laughs) New York. (laughs) But uh, little funny things like that. I didn't make up things. I could never write fantasy. Never. I tried. It didn't work. What is it that you like about writing? I guess it's words. How you use words. I love adjectives and adverbs. (laughs) I love description. Well, I was a journalism major, but then here we had wonderful people There was the Morgans, and Pat was an art teacher, and her husband was a former principal, and he wrote poetry. So he had a poetry class at the library. I went to that. It was also just writing. We get together once a week and just write a couple pages and then we'd read them off, and the people around the table would critique it. Not criticize, critique which was a wonderful thing. I think I learned more from Richard Morgan in writing because journalism writing is not creative writing. And it was a really fun time. And it was interesting to see the people that came into that writing group. Some of them were blue-collar people who did, you know, hard jobs, and, and they had a little time expressing themselves. But as we critiqued, this one guy just blossomed. He write about his past, and he was a tough little guy, you know. It was fun. And one of the girls, she'd make things up about people who lived 200 years ago. And then there was one guy in there, was, all he wrote were some sexy things. And I thought, oh, my God, I don't want to read this. But... You listen to it, and you could say, well, that's not what I like to read, you know. You could say that, but it was really great. I loved it. Now, I haven't been, of course. I don't even know if they're still going on because of that COVID thing. And then the Morgans moved away. So I do it on my own, but sometimes I just get a flash in the middle of the night. I thought, oh, yeah. Why don't I write about that? But it's not a long thing. It's just a little article, something funny that happened to me. You had one recently published, I think, about springtime? Oh, yeah, I was a letter to God. Because I didn't think he remembered it was springtime coming. (laughs) (laughs) And so I chastised him for that. (laughs) And I, I did quote... If winter's here, will spring be far behind? So you've always had writing as part of your life, but what are other things that bring you joy? Oh, I always like to read, you know. And being trained for newspaper or magazine work, when I read a book and if there's a misspelled word or something, I circle it in the book, which I shouldn't do, but that's what I do. I mean, 
How did that get by the editors? <laughs> but anyhow, I like that. What else do I... I've always liked art. I've always had my fingers in art classes and creative things. I did like cooking, though I don't cook anymore. Oh, gardening. Oh, I love it. I love it. I could spend hours out there. And to see, I wrote a letter to my great-grandson. He asked me why I like gardening so well. <laughs> and I said... Because it's like magic. You take a tiny little seed and you put it in the ground and in a few weeks it pops up into something green and bigger. Isn't that magic, I said. (laughs) (laughs) I think it still is. (laughs) So I'm doing this podcast, which you've been listening to, and I've been asking all these women about balance. And you said to me today, you said, is there anybody my age <laughs> on ah, your podcast? Yes. And it gave me an idea of talking to you about it. So I'm really curious how you define balance. Yes, I how I define, I never thought of it really. But I have balance, you're right. I have great faith. And I know that the Lord has been so good to me in so many little ways, family Everything, you know, friend, and so precious to me. And just that I don't seem to dwell on the negative. I don't know why. I mean, I know it's there, and it upsets me. I cry sometimes when I listen to the news. But I know there's a God in our life, and I have friends and family that love me, and I love them, and... And I try to to love one another and help people the best I can. Now that I don't drive, I I don't get around as much, but I still have the telephone. I I do a lot of letter writing to my friends that have left the area, and, and I have one college roommate left. I think we're the only ones left in our class. <laughs> and uh, her birthday's coming up, so I'll be calling her soon. She lives in Omaha. I look over my life and I think, what a lucky lady I've been. So there's been all these interesting seasons in your life. I'm curious, have some felt crazier? And what were those experiences like? like busier or... Le- felt less balanced. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had three boys, so I actually had to be a Boy Scout, kind of. Mm. Or else sit home alone. Somebody said, you did that? You climbed that mountain? You went right water rafting? I said, yes. I didn't want to stay home alone. So I was thrown out of a raft, going down the rapids in the river. and I mean, I just survived. I could write that one. (laughs) I survived. And uh, I had a good life. What has helped you maintain happiness in this season of your life? This season of my life? Mm -hmm. Of course, the garden. And uh, my friends. Uh, I don't have a husband anymore, but I have three sons, and each of them call me once a week if they're not right here with me. 
I mean, I know I'm loved. I know and I'm cared for, and and I love them. Mm-hmm. So it means a lot to me, mm-hmm. my family. What's it like to see all these generations running around your house? Especially, <laughs> I'm thinking about these little girls. Yeah. Like, the generations that your generation has inspired and the work that you've done. I mean, storytelling, I don't know if you can tell, it's a part of this family. Like, I feel like it started with you. It's a gift you gave us. So I'm wondering what it's like to see little storytellers like Dylan recite stories and it's like come down through dad and through Marcy. And so I see that, but I'm wondering what you see when you look at I love it, seeing them. They're so cute. They're so interested. They're so I almost think at times they have too many toys, but <laughs> but they have the coloring, the creative things going, and that's wonderful for them. Yeah. Was there anyone before you that influenced you in your storytelling or your love of writing? You know, no, I don't know where that came from. I mean, it was pretty cut and dried. My grandmother, uh, my mother's mother had nine children. She was not a lovey-dovey grandmother. I mean, she wasn't mean or anything, but she didn't, you didn't sit on her lap and she didn't tell you stories or sing to you. But my grandfather did, he was love. He used to sit with me on that bench in their garden and talk. I had some maiden aunts, they never married. But they were just lovely, wonderful aunts to me. I had a good upbringing. Do you have any advice for anyone coming after you about how to be happy in your life? Well, be happy for a sunny blue sky day. Be happy for the flowers that bloom, for the little things, even the raindrops. Mm-hmm. Gotta love life and what's given to you. And not complain about what you don't have, but be grateful for what you have. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lucky lady. Yeah. Six and a half great grandchildren. Well, this was really fun. It was great to get your thoughts and hear about you and just spend a little time chatting. <laughs> well, I love you girls. You've got wonderful husbands, and they encourage you to be you. What a special experience to get a chance to listen to a matriarch's reflection on life and happiness. Hearing her stories really highlighted how different life is for women a few generations later. She had to give up work that she loved to have a family. She was passed over for opportunities because she was a woman, and her choices in life were limited in ways I've never had to worry about. In fact, the entire premise of this podcast, the struggle between work and family life, the struggle to find balance, was something she had never really thought about because she wasn't given the opportunity to have both. Yet even though our life stories are so different, there's a lot I'm taking away from this discussion. For one, delight in the small things and don't dwell on the negative. Nana's reminder to appreciate both the flowers and the raindrops reminded me of the Book of Delights by Ross Gay. Over the course of a year, he wrote 100 essays about small things that delighted him. 
What I love about his essays is that he describes why they bring him delight, sharing memories or broader thoughts about the world we inhabit. I've been trying to emulate this, writing meandering essays about something joyful from my day a few times a week. The amazing thing about this practice is the more I write about delight, the more I notice simple, joyful moments in my days, and the less I harp on the difficulties. Another concept I heard from this interview was to be creative to get what you want out of life. Nana shared some funny stories about this, which included her entrepreneurial approach to having pets, and also her ability to continuously invest in her own growth, such as writing groups and art classes, and finally in her steadfast efforts to utilize her skills, even when she wasn't being compensated. Even now in her 90s, she's writing for the local paper. This is such an inspiration to think about breaking out of the boxes handed to us and be creative about how to contribute to society and feel fulfilled. Finally, she really emphasized being grateful for the love that surrounds you. She kept coming back to the friends and family that made her feel loved and cared for. Above all else, this left her with a feeling of gratitude as she looked back. This makes me think about what is truly important. If I'm lucky enough to be on this earth as long as Nana, the thing I will look back and remember is not the big titles or grand achievements, but the relationships and love that made life worth living. I hope this week you get a chance to chat with the elders in your life that are still around, to think creatively about how to find fulfillment, to pause and delight in the small stuff, and to appreciate and invest in the love that surrounds you.